Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you decided to uh, worship with us this morning. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor here at Ridgeview, and we are so glad uh, to be together as a church. And today I'm wrapping up our series uh, called Making Change, and today we're going to be talking about Tomorrow uh, Matters. And because Tomorrow Matters, what are the things that we needed to do today so that we could actually be set up uh, as we face uh, the future? And so I'm going to get into that in just a moment, but I want to first... Uh, introduce some new members that we have here at Ridgeview. Uh, as uh, members decide to, to join our church, we, we publicly recognize them because uh, they've made a commitment to really help uh, the church go. Uh, here at Ridgeview, we have a, a membership process where we offer classes which uh, talk about uh, who we are and, and where we're headed and then how can uh, everyone get involved in that. And we call that uh, Exploring Ridgeview. And our first class is the preview class, so you can kind of get a preview of who we are. Uh, after you've attended preview and you've learned more, you're not locked into membership, but you can attend the next class, which is what we call a discover. And that's really how do you discover more of where we're headed and discover more of the background of why we believe what we do and how that impacts uh, really our day-to-day ministry and the day-to-day parts of our church. And so once you go through that and uh, you decide you want to move forward in membership, we set up a, an, an interview with a staff member where we just get to know you more. We answer your questions that you have about the church, we hear of your story. And then the final step is, is this, which is in front of the church recognizing those people uh, that have taken that step. And membership is something that really is defined by commitment, and it's, it's formal. Uh, if you're not a member of Ridgeview, it doesn't mean that you're like a second-class citizen. It doesn't mean that you're not committed uh, to our church, but membership kind of defines these are people who've gone through uh, our classes and decided like they want to be counted uh, as the committed to really help uh, drive our church. And so if you're interested in membership, uh, we encourage you uh, to pursue that uh, at your own pace. If you're not ready for that yet, then continue to, to, to get to know us. So wherever you find yourself, uh, take you know, your next step. Uh, but this morning, I want to recognize uh, three people, uh, Gary and Karen Morrison and Raul West. If you guys could stand, we'd like to recognize you guys. All right. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. And so these three have decided really to join uh, the team here, and uh, God is, is growing uh, this team. He's growing our church, and so uh, Raul and, and Gary and Karen, we're so glad that you guys have decided uh, to join us officially as members of Ridgeview. Uh, so let's dig into uh, the, the sermon today, and uh, I want to kind of, since this is the, the last uh, sermon of the series, uh, this is the fourth part. Uh, I want to recap uh, where we've been. Uh, in case you've missed some, uh, it's also helpful for me. Every time I get to the end of something, I like to look back and see like where we've been headed. And so uh, let's just do that to start, and then uh, we'll dig in. So uh, the first week of this series, we started uh, talking about less is more. And uh, the, the challenge I gave to everyone here was to memorize Ecclesiastes 4.6. Did anyone take that challenge uh, to memorize that scripture? So we're going to be working on taking next steps <laughs> this week. You guys, I'm just changing my sermon on the spot. So for the two of you who did that, um, this is a great scripture. Uh, the good news with God's word is just because you didn't do it, you, you can actually still decide. But better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toll and chasing after the wind. So this series has really been about finances. But before you can talk about finances and money and all that you've been given, you actually have to have perspective that... Um, I need to get off of the pursuit of just more and more and more and more because the more we pursue things, oftentimes the less room we have for God to work. Uh, the more that we say yes to, 
uh, we have to say no to a lot more. And so the idea of less is more is, am I making sure that the, the things that I'm focused on are the things that are going to actually lead me to the destination, not only where I want to go, but is that the destination where God is leading me? Is that what he wants from my life? And so that's what uh, that beginning uh, message, that sermon talked about. Uh, week two, I uh, talked about how stress is bad, and we talked about debt, and how debt is like a chain around us that entangles us, and we can become a slave uh, to all those things that we're indebted to. That's how life works. It's reality. So God wants for us to have freedom, and not just in our finances, but also uh, in our lives. And so we talked about how do we, we take those steps. And the focus of that, that sermon was, I need to consistently work at sending my money to the right place. And for some of us, that could be different depending on where you find yourself. But it's something I need to think about. If you remember, money doesn't have feet. It goes where we send it. And so are we sending it to the right place? And then last week, uh, we talked about giving is good. Stress is bad. Uh, giving is good. And a key part of the Christian life is that if you want to grow, a growth comes always from a position of giving. It always comes from a position of giving, not spending, not even managing. It comes from a position of giving. That is, when I'm generous and I allow God to give and take with my hands, and I don't clench my hands and try to control the things in my life, when I surrender my life to God and I give it to him, good things happen. Growth happens. Progress happens. And so that was the focus uh, last week. And then today, I'm going to end with Tomorrow Matters. Now, the original focus of uh, this sermon is the idea of, of investing. And what you may not know about me is I'm not an investment uh, strategist. Um, my background is not in investing. In fact, I'm learning investing myself, but I'm not in a position where we're going to spend a sermon talking about how you should invest your money. And so the idea of investing in retirement, uh, it's very important. Thinking of the future, planning for the future is very important, but we can't really spend a whole sermon talking about that. Now, the Bible has a lot to say, and we'll talk about that from a perspective standpoint. But I want to just remind each of us, no matter where you are, because we're all at different places, that to take the step where you find yourself, and I mentioned this, I think, the first week, and I want to mention it again, there's some really helpful resources from Dave Ramsey uh, who is probably one that most look to from a Christian perspective and worldview. And he has uh, some resources called the seven baby steps. And I think here's an image uh, of that. And uh, they're all you know, listed on his website. And if you just need to kind of figure out the step that you can take, uh, write baby steps on your connection card and we'll send you that resource. Uh, we what we want to do as a church is we want to help you, uh, but we can't help you if we don't know you need it. That's how life works. It's hard to get help unless you ask a lot of times. And so if you need help and you're not sure where to start, uh, we could send you these resources. And we'd also be happy to meet with you and to, to walk you through where you are and maybe what the next step is. And so you can write baby steps. The great thing about this website is it walks you through the different steps that you can take, and then you can click on it and get more resources, more help. It's electronic, so you can kind of learn more uh, at your own pace. And so let us know. And uh, we want to uh, provide that. Uh, in the, the baby steps, again, you'll kind of learn, uh, here's why strategy, and then kind of take that with what we've been talking about uh, in, this, in this sermon. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I actually want to focus on one passage of Scripture uh, today and kind of walk by that verse by verse, because I think as we talk about tomorrow and what we need to do today, uh, we need wisdom uh, in fact, in this sermon series, I talked about James 4, like none of us can know the future. 
And so we all have to approach life with like, Lord willing, Lord willing, I'm going to go here. Lord willing, I'm going to do this. Lord willing, I'm going to do that. We don't know. But just because we don't know the future and we live with this like Lord, hand, you know, Lord willing, open-handed life, uh, there's still a lot of perspective that we need to have for today as we move in uh, to the future. And today we're going to be focusing on a lesson on ants. Okay? You guys with me on that? Now, for me in my life, I have always seen ants uh, as a nuisance. Uh, my kids and family can attest to this. Anytime I go on vacation, I go full on like exterminate ant mode, and I think no ant is going to overtake my home when I'm not there. And so I will just, they'll, I'll be like, oh, you guys go out to the car, and I'm the last one to leave before vacation, and I just go nuts, spraying doorways, windowsills, bathrooms, because if you've ever been on vacation and come back from vacation and been overrun from ants, it's awful. You ever had that happen? You ever had ants in your pantry, and you're like, let's just burn the whole thing and start over? <laughs> it's terrible. So when you talk about ants, at least from my perspective, oftentimes it's like a nuisance. There's times where I mowed many a lawn with like an ant pile there, an ant hill, run it over, and next thing I know, like I got ants biting my ankle. You ever had that happen? Not, not great. All that to say, there's a lot more to learn about ants. And if you learn nothing more today, you might learn that. Okay? So you're welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, but let's dig into to Proverbs 6. Now, Proverbs is uh, the wisdom literature of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Uh, they're, often, they're really in, in like the middle of your, your Bible if you have a physical copy. And the Proverbs are written most of the time as like, they're, they're Proverbs, they're wise sayings that you can apply to multiple facets of life. Uh, but in here, what I'm going to read right now is all about the ant. And I'm going to read it through and then kind of break it down verse by verse. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Uh, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And it goes on. Next slide there. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. It's interesting when you read a scripture like that because all of a sudden it just feels like, okay, we're talking about ants now. It's interesting. Uh, but the scriptures, specifically the wisdom literatures, use creatures who God has created to teach us things. You actually find that again. It's like consider things. It's like this idea of, of look and, and, and learn. And, it, and it's actually very helpful to, to do that. But here, the focus is on ants, but you see kind of two major characters. You have the ant that we're supposed to learn from, and then we have the person who's supposed to learn from them. Who's the person that's supposed to learn from the ant? The sluggard. Uh, not a word that we, we use a lot, but let's kind of dig this in verse by verse. We'll go back to verse six. The first point is this. Uh, we, can learn, we can learn a lot from life and others if we pay attention. I don't know if you're somebody that has a hard time paying attention, but I can, and that is a struggle for me at different times. But there's actually a lot from life that you can learn if you, you pay attention. And the scripture says as much. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. And so that first picture of a person is one that's a sluggard. Now, sluggard uh, literally is, is somebody who's, who's lazy. Um, I was reading this scripture with one of my sons uh, this past week, and his version, his translation says lazy bones. thought that was interesting. It's like, go to the ant, you lazy bones. But we use that. Uh, but a sluggard is somebody who's lazy. Maybe they're, they're lazy bones. But, it, but it's also even more than that. It's, it has this connotation of somebody who delays, Somebody who puts off what they need to do uh, because they're not ready to do it yet. 
It's the sense of uh, you know what you have to do, but for some reason you, you can't do it. Uh, delay is a, a strategy that we talk about a lot in my household because of soccer. And my son plays soccer. And one of the things that you do as a defensive player, as somebody's coming at you offensively and more and more aggressive, they're coming fast. What you need to do is you have to delay uh, as a defender. And what that means is you have to keep scooting back. You keep scooting back. You keep scooting back until you get to the point where it's too close to the goal. And now you need to go on offense. You need to try to stop the play. But delaying is very strategic as a defender because if you go too soon, they get around you and they can score. But in soccer, delaying makes sense because of the sport that you're in, this idea of going backwards on defensive. But in life, laziness is not a strategy for how to live. The idea is if you keep delaying, you keep delaying what you need to do, what do you keep doing? Keep going backwards. And as you keep going backwards, you're not going forward, you're not making progress. And so the writer of Proverbs is saying, all of us have a tendency uh, for laziness, some more than others, all of us have a tendency at different times to delay doing what we need to do for a variety of reasons. Now, there may be some things that God is calling you to do right now in your life, to rely on him in new ways, to do something that uh, you sense he's been wanting you to do for a while. It could be related to your your commitment to him, your relationship with him. It could be related to a situation with somebody else. It could be to do something that you've decided you need to do a long time ago and you've never done it. I don't know what it is for you, but today, I hope that God will, will speak and kind of give you a sense of here's what I need to do in order to not delay and to, to move forward. But we can learn a lot from life. And that is the next word that you see there is the sluggard is somebody who needs to consider. Uh, they delay and they may have like a streak of laziness, which all of us can struggle with. But to consider means I'm going to see, I'm going to examine, and I'm going to inspect. That is really, I'm going to pay attention to what's happening uh, in my life. Now, the scripture is telling us, the writer, look at the ant. Go. Watch. See. Pause. Ponder. Examine. And if you look at ants, I've done way more research on ants this past week than I ever have in my whole life. But it's very interesting. The, the ant, they work, you know, they focus on the work that's right in front of them. They work in line with those around them. There could be multiple ants, hundreds and thousands of them, but they don't get in each other's way. So there's this cooperation, uh, there's diligence, there's faithfulness where they, they know the task they need to do and, and they do it. Well, for us, we can pull some principles from that. But ultimately, paying attention for us as humans means things like this. Here's some questions you might want to think through. Is God giving me things uh, that I need to see? Is God giving me people I need to listen to? Is God giving me new opportunities to trust him? Is God allowing this to unravel so I may seek him, whatever this is for you? That is, pay attention to what's happening in your life. Oftentimes, we want to go past what's happening in our life to get to what we want or what we hope. But when you pay attention to what's happening in the present, you actually set up a better future. There's so much power in the present, but it comes as you pay attention and you ask these kinds of questions. These are not the only questions, but there's a sense of like, based on what's happening in my life, based on my circumstances, based on my relationships, based on the pressure where I find myself, based on the hard things that I'm, I'm facing, this is where God wants to grow you in wisdom. Where the pressure is, is where God wants to grow you. And so when you consider the ant and you pay attention, the writer says that you will grow wise 
I want to talk about that word briefly too. Wise is a person of skill. So, so picture it's a wisdom that actually has a skill like a, like a sculptor. Now, any of you artistic? Anyone's like, I'm an artistic person. Anyone? You guys are really, really shy today. Okay, thank you. Uh, you either know you're artistic or you're not. How many are not artistic that are here? Okay, okay, good. Now we've identified ourselves. Lord, bring us more artists here at Ridgeview, right? <laughs> or creatives. But, but there's a sense of like, you know, when somebody has a skill in art and creativity and you don't, you see it and you're like, whoa, you just did something. I still draw like a three-year-old. And I'm really not exaggerating. There's just something when the, I do it on paper, the legs are like rectangles. Like it's, it, it's not good at all. I'm not artistic in, in art. I can be artistic in different ways, but not in drawing or, you know, creating like that. So what the writer is saying is like, you're, you're not going to become a creative person by, you know, just observing ants, but you're going to become a person that can gain skill like a, a skilled sculptor, learns the craft. When you pay attention to life, uh, what that means is you can analyze people and situations accurately. So when you consider and you pay attention to what's going on in your life, and you consider and pay attention to what's going on around you, what the writer is saying, you'll grow skill in analyzing people, analyzing situations, and then knowing what to do. You'll know the right procedure, and you'll know the timing. So all of this leads to the sense of like God wants to use what's going on in your life right now, not for you to escape it, but for you to meet him in it. And as you meet him in it, even if it's not what you want, even if it's not what you want to face, you can learn. So that's the first thing we can learn from ants. There's a lot we can learn if we pay attention. Okay, let's get to the next one. Uh, That is, second, we can make a difference as we take initiative and The next verse about ants says this, it has no commander nor overseer or ruler. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a dynamic in family life, and this was when I was growing up with my own parents, where it always, you know, was like this tense moment where my my mom and dad kept telling me like, I want you to do it without being what? Told. And as a kid, I'm like, well, why would I do it then? It makes no sense. You know, so a lot of times when you're younger, uh, it's hard to take initiative. The reason it's hard to take initiative is not because you don't necessarily want to not take initiative. It's that you most of the time don't want to do what they want you to do. You know, I, I take lots of initiative in my life when I was younger to do the things I want. But if it's like clean my room, I want to be told because I don't want to do it. So why would I take initiative to do something that I, I don't want? And what the, the writer is saying is, if you learn from the ants, they're a different type of species here, that they actually take initiative and do what's needed without being told by somebody else. They're internally motivated. They're not externally motivated. They're self-motivated. They're, they're responsible. Uh, the ant does what is needed. And certainly, as we've been talking about finances, there's lots that we can learn from the ants. Okay, we've talked about debt. Like That's something that we don't necessarily be told we need to work on. We, we need to take steps to do it. A giving and being generous, that's something that, that we need to take steps and begin to do it. There's a sense of like taking initiative is something that, that's difficult for us to do, but without initiative, it's very hard for us to change. Uh, one of my prayers since uh, the beginning of Ridgeview is that we would be a church of initiative takers. Like We take initiative uh, with each other. We take initiative in our relationship with God. Now, the good thing with God is he, he actually has initiated with us first. So we're always responding to God. 
If you think about it, he made you. That was the first initiation. And he sent Jesus and he pursues you and he extends his grace so that he's always initiating. So with God, we're responding, but we always want to respond in a way of moving forward. Okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I will do it. This is what you're calling me to sacrifice. I will do it. And as a church, we also want to have that same kind of initiative uh, with each other. Have you ever had somebody that you knew you needed to talk to, and then you keep seeing them, and each week you think, I really need to talk to that person? You ever had that? And maybe you've even told them, I really like to get together. And then like three weeks, we need to get together. Three months, we need to get together sometime. And then shortly after, maybe that three-month period, you like don't bring it up anymore because you kind of know it's not happening. You ever had that happen? Yeah, it happens all the time. Have you ever thought, like, I should reach out to somebody and check on them and encourage them, and you forget? It happens a lot. Like, you keep meaning to do it, but you don't. And I think just it goes back to that delay. It's so easy for us to always have something that we, we should do, uh, but we don't ever get around to doing it. And our Christian faith is a lot like it. You ever thought to yourself, like, I need to read my Bible more? I need to spend time with God. I need to read my Bible more. And then like after a week, you come back to church and you're like, oh man, I need to read my Bible more. And then you come back to church and it's just like you, you hopscotch over the week. And on Sunday, you're like, yeah, I need to do that. And it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to take initiative. It's the same with, with prayer. It's the same uh, even with maybe following Jesus. Like I need to follow Jesus. I'm just not ready to follow him in that. I need to follow Jesus. I'm not ready to give him my whole life yet. And so it's easy. We, we lack uh, initiative. And if you lack initiative in life, uh, it's very difficult to, take, to make progress. And that's something that we're talking about in our family a lot because what I'm realizing with my own kids, and you've probably seen this as well, if people only do something because they're told, then they'll do whatever somebody tells them to do. And if you want to know why so many young people fall away from the faith in college, their authority changes. It goes from their parents to professors. And most of the time, the professors don't believe that there is a God that exists and has a plan. But then they're telling them what to do. And what do they do? They do it. So the initiative is not just them doing what you're supposed to do or you doing what you're supposed to do. The, the initiative is, God, help me to take this step and experience you come through. If you experience God come through, that experience outweighs anything anyone tells you because it's real. God came through. He helped me. I took a step. I wasn't sure what's going to happen. He did not rip me off. That's huge in your relationship with God. And it's huge with people. If you take an initiative with someone else, God works. Oftentimes, we wait for people to take initiative with us. I wish they would, somebody would talk to me about that. I wish somebody would, would help me. So the question is, are you doing to others what you expect them to do to you? That's a helpful test you know, for, for all of us. Let's go on to the third. So we need to pay attention. We need to be a learner. We need to take initiative and not wait. That's what we can learn from the ants so far. Third, uh, we should not assume the future, but plan for it. We should not assume the future, but plan for it. Here's what's really interesting. Uh, all about the future, like we can't live in the future. But if we're living today, banking on tomorrow not happening, we can be in trouble. Because if tomorrow comes and we weren't planning for it, we're in a tough spot. So you don't presume the future, but you do plan. And that's certainly the case with our finances. That's certainly the case with our relationships. If I just keep focusing on today without any sense of where I'm headed, I could be heading in the wrong direction. I could be on the wrong path. 
And so the, the scripture talks about the ant. It says, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. I love that the fact that the writer here is talking about summer because what do you want to do in summer and what do I want to do in summer? We want a vacation. We want a party, right? We don't want to work in summer. We want to have a good time. We want to take a break from life. But the ant, they work in summer and they do all the work in summer so that when the harvest comes, they can do the work that's needed. Why does the ant work in the summer and gather the fruit in the harvest? What's coming? Winter. You ever seen ants really hanging out during a rainstorm? No. Why? They'll die. Ants die in the rain. They can't walk through the snow, so they're hibernating. I don't, I don't know if ants hibernate. <laughs> I just literally made that up. So if you're like doing science and you're like, you, you're totally, I may be totally off on hibernation, but I do know bad weather will kill them, okay? So the idea is like the bad weather is going to come, and with our finances, it's true, there's going to be things that we were unexpected. Uh, a week and a half ago, one of our cars didn't start. We needed a new battery. Batteries, man, there's inflation everywhere, $151 for a battery. But if you don't have money for unexpected things, and then you have to put that on a credit card, and you don't have money to pay that credit card, then you can see that thing that you didn't anticipate happening now has made you enslaved to that. But if you plan on unexpected things happen with your finances, then there's provisions. And so that's this idea that you have to, you have to think ahead. So I've been thinking about this a lot in my life. It's this, this idea, like, all of us want uh, fruit in the future. Can you guys agree with me? Like, like, we want our future to be good. Do you guys agree with that? Are we all together on that? Like, none of us are like, I really hope my future stinks, right? No, none of us want that. However, here, here's, here's the thing that I struggle with in my own life. I want my, my future to be filled with fruit and good things. Well, according to the scripture, the only way that your future can be filled with fruit and good things is that you have to be faithful in the present. That's what the ant does. They're faithful right now to work. And they will reap the harvest because of the work that they've done. See, if you're like me, and I think we all are as humans, we have the struggle. We want future fruit, but we don't want present faithfulness. It's a struggle. It's a disconnect. And we just tend to think like things will, will work out. And so here's something that I've, I've learned a lot in my life, and I've been trying to work on this over the years, taking like little steps, but it's this. Uh, many mean well, but don't plan well. And that is often we are a group of people, and group meaning humanity, where we have good intentions for the most part. There's a lot of people that have good intentions. We intend to do it but we have no forethought or plan of how it will actually get done. We mean well, but we don't plan well. What you learn from the ant is they're meaning well, like they want to have fruit as well in the, in the winter months, but they're also being faithful. And they're planning well, and then they're, they're, they're ex- executing. So oftentimes in my life, it's this. We want different results, in whatever area we want to change. But we don't change our strategy. You ever experienced that? I've experienced this in, in my life in so many ways. Re- recently, I'm just going to be real with you. I told some people in my life, I'm just going to tell the whole church, I need to lose weight. 
That's not funny, Pat. Just <laughs> I'm just, I, Pat, I, Pat, I know Pat. I won't call people out like that. Sorry, Pat. Pat's a brother. That was a little too real, huh? I did wear black today, though. That was strategic, uh, right? You guys know. Um, but I, I need to lose weight. Like, okay, great. There, there's part of us that all want to get healthy. But here, here's what I realized. I want to lose weight, but I don't want to change how I eat. That's not funny. That is real. Like, that's absolutely the case. I don't want to change anything, but I want different results. I do that with so many aspects of my life. I want my kids to uh, respond differently uh, to, to situations, and then I respond the same to them. And I expect them to change when I'm not changing the way I'm parenting them. I want to get down the path in uh, my finances, but like I don't budget or I don't have self-control. Or in eating, I make no different choices, but I want different results. And then we have a society now where we live, where we can just post all of our intentions on social media. I'm going to intend to do this, but no one backs it up with, did you? Did you? So the focus is on faithfulness. It's just proclaiming our intentions. But we want to be a group of people who actually want good to happen, but then are willing to change in order to see God do something. That's the type of person I want to be. So this past week, I've started eating right, and there's parts of it I hate. (laughs) You know, I just want to eat a loaf of bread. With butter. But the thing is, is I have a body that's done that. So I can't keep doing that if I want a different lifestyle, different health. You, you get what I'm saying? I'm just giving an example because it's real. It's something that it's a struggle. It is a struggle for me. It's been a struggle my whole life. But at the end of the day, there's a dissonance because I want a different result and I'm not willing to change. And oftentimes, that comparison is in every aspect of our life. It's in our finances. It's in our marriages. It's in our parenting. It's in our church. It's in our ministry. It's in every aspect of our life. You want God to come through, but you won't do what he tells you to do. You want God to provide, but you won't take that next step. It's the same with me. Many plan, mean well, but they don't, they don't plan well. And this is my prayer. God Make us people who mean well and plan well, and then act, do what he tells us to do. I don't know what that is for you, but I know for me, like my health is one of those things, like I need to work on it. And I really debated like telling you because it's kind of like, eh, hashtag too real, you know? But there's a part of it where I actually need to, to, to tell people because it's something I need to do. And by telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm actually putting it out there, like I need to work on it. And the reason I say it is, I, I'm just like you. We're in this together. There's things in our life that are very hard. There's even strongholds that we can't get past. But if we consider the ant, and we pay attention, and we take initiative, and we don't just mean well, but we plan well, and we put something into action, and we depend on the Lord Jesus, and we ask him to come through, we will change. I think we can live in a world where we don't think we can change. We don't think our situation can change. We don't think the person can change. And we struggle and we struggle and we struggle and we get more and more discouraged because we're people that aren't growing. 
But if you consider the ant and you pay attention, there's a lot you can learn. You guys with me? And now I know all you're going to be paying attention to what I eat. <laughs> and that's okay. For me, we will have donuts soon. <laughs> and now, if the pastor wants to eat right, we might have grapes too. Some of you have been waiting. I wasn't ready yet. Maybe I need to be. It's like we need a hug. I just need like a group hug right now. Okay, let's, let's, let's go on. Um, the next uh, we can learn is for lasting change to occur, and it's, this is all connected, life will often include hard work and battling our desires. So uh, in, in the scripture here, the focus is on the ant. And it started with like, pay attention to the ant, and here's all that the ant does. We've talked about that, taking initiative, planning, cooperating, doing what's in front of you. But then it goes back. It's very interesting. It, it, it contrasts, and check out the scripture here. Says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? So pay attention to the ant, and then you get the description of the ant, and you can draw those principles. And that's what God's word does. You, you chew on it a little bit, chew on it verse by verse, and you'll get some principles that you can apply. And then it shifts back. Now the writer is saying, but let's talk about you a little bit after you've paid attention. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Here's what the writer is saying. It's great for for us to learn from the ant. It's great for us to to learn these principles. But if you don't do what God tells you to do, you're going to be in the same position you always are and will be. You're going to be just the same. The sluggard who's told to observe, if they don't do anything, will still be the sluggard. Will still be the lazy bones. Will still be the person that that is, is stuck. And so the idea is like cooperating with God, depending on him, really does make a difference. It makes a difference in our life. Uh, It's easy to wait, you know, for something to change. I don't know about you, but there's oftentimes I'm just waiting for things to change. And there's things that we need to change that are beyond our control. You can't change things that are not in your control, but you can change the things that God has given you. And then you wait and you see him come through. I want to talk just briefly to you men, if I may. Men, can I talk to you? We live in a time where I've been talking about, you know, taking initiative and planning ahead. We, we, we live in a time where men and women roles are, are being blurred. And what our culture says is that there's no different, difference between a man and a woman. That, that's actually not biblical. And I think from experience... We all see that. If you have boys and girls, you see a difference. That difference is is actually good. When God made Adam, he saw that it was not good for her, for him to be alone, and so he made a helper for him, and that was Eve. And after he had made the helper and Eve, he said it was good. It was not good for the man to be alone, so he made this woman. And so you see this the complementary relationships between a man and a woman. Uh, we live in a time, though, uh, for you men, where we're almost told to not be men. Like the best man you can be in our culture is to be less of a man. I don't know if you see that, but I see that. In fact, don't be a man, be 
Be more like a woman. That's what we're told. Don't believe that lie. You are a man, and God made you a man. And because of that, he has given you a role in this world that he has not given to anyone else. If you are married, you are the leader of your family. You're a leader of your kids. That doesn't mean that a woman is less valuable. But in our culture, there's been so much that's happened and the the lines are blurred and we don't believe what God says and we don't believe in roles. We don't believe in differences and therefore it's confusing and nobody knows what to do, specifically men. Men, if you take initiative and you do what God is calling you to do and you lead out, we will see a great work done in this country, in our families, in this church. In fact, the biggest blessing to women and children is when men are men, 100%. But we're told a lie that's the opposite. And so, man, I want to invite you, and I encourage you, and I want to call you forward. You can lead your family. God's given you that role. And as a leader of your family, that does not mean domination or domineering. As a leader of your family, it means you sacrifice first. You sacrifice die first. If your family bleeds, you hemorrhage. The problem in our culture, because all the lines are blurred, you have men that are passive. They're afraid of screwing up. They're afraid if they be men that they're going to get crushed by the culture. But we don't need to be men who are afraid. We don't need to be men who are concerned, we need to be men. And as you sacrifice, and as you protect, and as you provide, and as you do what God has called you to do, you'll make a difference. Men, you need to initiate with your wives. You need to pursue them. And if you're not married and you're a man, you still need to be doing this in your life. You need to take initiative. You need to sacrifice. You need to provide and protect in all the ways that you can. And you need to be working on that so then if the Lord grants you somebody you can marry, you can play that role well. And women, can I speak to you for a moment? You want a man who will lead you. And that may mean you need to give him some space. If you try to control him, it will not go well. Men will not be controlled. Just when you think you've controlled them, they're no longer men to you. So what that means for you as women is you need to trust God as you follow your husband. As I was thinking about this this, this week, I just kept thinking of like we're, we're in a culture where everyone wants change and everybody wants things to happen, but at the core, we're not getting into like who God made us to be. Women, you, you are beautiful not because of what you look like, but because of who you are. 
The scriptures tell us that. It's not the outward appearance, but it's the beauty of, of, of women and their relationships and their connection and all that God has made you to be unique in your family. Nobody can do the role of a mom either. And so in our uniqueness, how God made us, when we come together, life actually changes. And so men, be men. Pay attention. Take initiative. Go first. Sacrifice. See what God will do. See what God will do in your, in your marriage. And there may be some things where you've been passive and you've been waiting for her to lead. I encourage you, do not wait to talk about that and ask for forgiveness if you've been passive instead of leading. There's been many times in my marriage I've had to do that. And women, there may be some times where you see like, man, I have been controlling and riding and on him and I'm not giving him the space to move forward and to lead us. And you may need to make that right with him as well. But it's through the marriage relationship and it's through our roles being defined and playing the role that God's given us. This world will change. And it happens within the church. As a group of people, we decide we're going to live differently. We're not going to be like the world says. We're going to be who God made us to be, to his glory and his honor. And our light will shine. Thank you for bearing with me. I just, I wanted to say that. Now, with that, it's more than an idea. This isn't just a speech to get you feeling bad about yourself or fired up, but there's three words that can change your life. And these words are this, I need help. If you're not sure how to lead forward as a man, our duty as a church is to help you. In fact, our first duty as a church is to help the people a part of this church. We help the community that God has brought. If you're a woman, you don't know how to move forward in your relationship. You don't know how to do this in your finances or all of this. Like, you need help. We want to provide the help. But ultimately, and this is the most important, God wants to help you. This isn't some strategy to get ahead in life. This is through the Lord Jesus and his ways. And we have a resource that we put together for, for anyone that's just like, I, I need perspective, I need uh, what the Bible says. And so uh, your first next step today is send me how God helps. And so if you just would like this, it's scriptures of how God will help you as you seek him. And then scriptures on how God uses others to help us as well. So if you feel stuck I know it can be overwhelming, it can be discouraging, but God will lead you forward as you depend on him, as you lean on him, as you uh, turn to him. So let us know. Just say, send me the resources on how God helps, and we'll send that to you. All right, I'm going to keep moving along here. We've talked about a lot so far, and we're turning the corner, I think. I just got to find where my notes are here. Okay. Um. Last, last point, and this is kind of where the whole scripture comes kind of to this conclusion, and this is good intentions can't overcome bad decisions. Have you made, made bad decisions in your life, right? I think all of us will agree. Now, a lot of us, bad decisions didn't come because, like, I really want to screw up my life. Like, we didn't intend for that to happen, but it did. And now we're left sometimes with the pieces, with the rubble of the rebuilding, and it's like, what do I do? 
well, this is kind of the, the last warning. Like, just your intentions, just the, what you think, uh, it can't overcome reality. That, that's God's real. So everything I've been saying to you, a lot of what it is, you, sometimes you have to learn this for yourself. Like, reality is the best teacher, and, and God, God is real, and this is what the Scripture says. It says, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. That is, if you stay passive and you don't do what God's called you to do, if you don't take initiative, if you don't learn from life and what's happening, if you don't plan well, you're on a path where life will fall apart. The wisdom literature has a way of it just, it puts it right in front of you and says, for all who want to see, see. Life is our best teacher. And sometimes we have to, we have to learn even from the bad things and, and those, those decisions. And so in closing, I want to encourage you. I've said a lot. There's a lot of from that scripture. But wherever you are, take uh, your next step. Proverbs 13, 11, this, you know, kind of associated with money, but it's in other things as well. Waif gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So the idea is, uh, again, we want the fruit. We want the change. Uh, we want things to go well. Oftentimes, it means day by day, you take a small step that God's called you to do. And then sometimes there's a big step in there but you take that next step and then you take it and you see God comes through and then you take it and God comes through. So uh, pay attention to the things God wants to teach you and then ask God for help. Take initiative to take your first step and then ask God for help. Make more plans with cooperating with God and turn it into action. God, what is it that you want from me in my life? I'm gonna pursue you. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna consider your ways. And then what do you want me to do? And then ask God for help. Work hard, battle your desires, that pull uh, for laziness, that pull to delay, and then ask God for help. There's a common theme there. Ask God for help. If tomorrow matters, we have to change how we live today. And with God's help, and with his strength, and with his power, change will come. That's all we have is the hope in the Lord Jesus that change will come. So next steps, I'm going to invite the band up. Um, I mentioned, I think, the first one, just send me the scriptures of how God helps. Uh, let us know that, and we'll, we'll send that to you. And then I need to take initiative. Like, is there something that you sense you need to do? And you've been maybe thinking about it for a while. Maybe it's, it's touching base with somebody. Maybe it's asking for help. Maybe it's encouraging somebody. Maybe it's checking on somebody in your life. Maybe it's, you know, finally deciding, like, I need to become a Christian. Like, I've been waiting, I've been delaying, but you don't want to be the person who misses what God wants to do in your life. So whatever it is, take, take that next step. And then the third is just blank. What is it that God wants you to do? The greatest thing that God can do is speak to you directly. Not for me or anyone else, but what is it that God wants you uh, to do? So as I wrap up, I hope, I hope this series has been a help. For me, I, I'm so excited to see what God is doing in our church as we're, we're growing, as we're expanding. But even more importantly, as we become a people who do what God tells us to do, that's our greatest hope, to do what God tells us to do. And if we do that, we can be a part of changing the world. Next week, Something a little bit different. I'm excited to announce that we have a guest speaker next week. 
my, my mentor and my old pastor, uh, Randy Lanthrop, will be here. I think there's a picture of him right there. So official, look at that. Uh, Randy has been my mentor since I was in college. And he is the pastor, the senior pastor, founding pastor of Church in the Valley. They planted that church in Diamond Bar originally in 1987. Uh, they have been a portable church like us since that time. And uh, he has been an immense uh, just encouragement to me in my life. Uh, he has really, in a lot of ways, made me the man that I am today, uh, just with his advice, his counsel, his example. And I had the pleasure of serving under him uh, as his associate pastor and then executive pastor for a number of years at Church in the Valley. And his church uh, sent a launch team of eight adults and six kids to get uh, Ridgeview started. And they sent not only people and the money that they gave to their church and transferred over to Ridgeview, uh, but also they contributed financially and still do uh, to this day. And so one of the things I've been thinking is, as God's doing a work uh, in our church, I want all of us to be connected to where we came from, who we are. And so Randy will talk about the importance of teaming together. And I'll talk more about the network that we're part of, the 17-6 network, and what God wants to do, not only with our church, uh, but with other churches as we partner together. So I hope you'll get to join us next week. I invite you back and get a chance to meet Randy and his wife, uh, Cindy. So uh, we're going to close out. We're going to receive our offering. We're going to sing a song back. But one thing I encourage you to do a little bit differently today, and this is that initiative. Share with somebody something that you learned today. Just share with somebody. Here's something I need to do. Here's something that I learned. Here's something that I'm chewing on. Take that step of intentionality. That'd be good. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your scriptures, which draw attention to things, even ants, that we would miss. God, thank you for the lessons of, of of ants that teach us initiative and planning and diligence and cooperation. God, I, I pray that we'll be faithful people that play our role well, that, that do what you've called us to do, that take the next step, that we don't delay. God, if anyone is here is just discouraged with progress or, or, or lack of change, will you help them see their next step? I pray against the spirit of discouragement, frustration, and we pray, Lord, for your hope to be clear and real to each of us this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.